didn't see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot. Paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. Beginning of a new world. The best guac you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This, this is, is the Black Cat Report. See you on the other side. Like any good tale, our story today begins with a man laying in a ditch, passed out on the side of a Florida road, dying from tuberculosis. But before we get there, let me tell you where we're going, or more so, let me ask you a question. What if I told you the secrets of the pyramids have been unlocked? Not by a team of renegade scientists and engineers, but by one man, an immigrant who came to America not just to flee a dangerous political climate, but a broken heart that some say would follow him the rest of his life. This week, we're digging up the rumors and raising the theories behind the Coral Castle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of the Black Cat Report. My name is Gil, and I'm here with the incredible Joey. Hey. The insatiable Selena. Hello. And international Betsa Bay, who, while she's out of the country, I will only refer to as international Betsa Bay. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> Y'all, this week we're following up with one of our very first listener requests, The Mystery of Coral Castle. Shout out to Tim. And while I've dug through a number of old coast-to-coast episodes to learn about the lore behind the legendary castle, our primary source for this episode will be the book Coral Castle by Rusty McClure and Jack Heffron. The link to where you can find it will be in the show notes. Now, now, what is Coral Castle? Built between the 1920s and 40s, Coral Castle, originally called Rockgate or Rockgate Park by its creator, Ed Leeds Skullnish, could be simplified down to just a massive collection of hand-carved monoliths, tables, chairs, and structures. Much the same way Stonehenge could be simplified to just a few large rocks in the middle of nowhere. I'm being facetious, of course. No, the real mystery starts once you take time to actually look at what was built and realize that one man without the use of power tools, cranes, bulldozers, and the like, quarried, carved, lifted, and set in place these stones, which weigh between 10 and 30 tons. He did all of this by himself, always in the dead of night. Oh, and by the way, there are no tool marks left on any of these stones, which, as the name entails, were all made of a coral-like stone dug out from the property itself. Very brittle, uneven stone to work with. Even still, neighbors, tourists, and engineers who visited the castle while Ed was still working on it noted the complete lack of stone chips anywhere near the area. Now, how do you carve massive, solid structures out of the ground, out of solid stone, and leave no trace of the process? just a hole. Well, theories and rumors around Coral Castle range from aliens, ley lines, Freemason secrets, ancient Egyptian mystics, lost anti-gravitational practices, perpetual motion devices, harmonic levitation, the list goes on and on and on. In fact, I think the only thing I haven't seen tied to the creation of this place somehow is the unlocking of lost Atlantean knowledge about crystals. You can't forget morphogenic energy. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into morphogenic energy. 
maybe. I don't know. Is that <laughs> what the Power Rangers use? I think so. <laughs> um, it's about form getting to the base. A castle. The base elements of things. The base elements. No, but like literally with this, it's it's so hard to nail down because any one of these theories could be like a two or three part series in and of itself. Like people have just taken it and ran with it. Think about all the stuff from like um, ancient aliens and all the stuff that they, the theories that they tie to like the pyramids and Egypt and Stonehenge and building them. All of that has been tied to or linked somehow to this one dude who built these things, right? Like all of those theories and stuff and a whole lot more. But but before we approach all that, or at least some of it, we should probably start off with who Ed was and why he built Coral Castle. Ed Leed Skolnish was born in Latvia into a land of castles, lords, and a strict class system at some point in 1887. The exact date is debated as much as any of the facts about his early childhood or life are. With that said, there are a few important things we do know about him. First, he was at least a third-generation stonemason, as were his brothers and uncles. Second, he attended school until the fourth grade. And third, Ed was a very tiny man who often lied about how tall he actually was. It feels important to point this out because later when we discuss digging out and moving 10,000 and 60,000 pound sculptures, we're talking about someone who is likely four foot nine and maybe 97 pounds. Like, Why would he lie this, this about is his height? I think the same reason anybody lies about their height. You know, like on his dude, oh. you've never seen like the memes lying? about all of the dudes that like lie about how tall they are. Just on dating, like profiles. they literally will be like, "I'm like six two, and then somebody will bring out a tape measure and be like, "You're five nine. <laughs> that was you haven't basically... seen this. Hmm. No, Selena's like, oh. <laughs> I'll look for them and I'll I'll send you some. <laughs> well, well, while there's nothing wrong with being short. Um, to me, it does add a wow factor to all of this. Again, these are like 10,000 to 60,000. No, there's not. But there's what? he's he's 97 pounds and four foot nine. And he's moving 10,000 and 60,000 pounds stones by himself. Like, that is insane. Like, even if you are the strongest person on earth, that's still insane. But like, just picturing this, this small guy out there just like, doing all of this it's like it's wild so mm. anyways as i said much of his early life is up for debate even with the extensive research and sources provided by our main reference today i'm hesitant to dig too far into it to be fully honest every show and podcast covering coral castle seems to at some point completely go rogue with tales about ed's life everything from him being a militant communist insurrectionist trying to take down like Tsar Nicholas II and walking around with a rifle in his coat to like um, his sweet 16, like his love of his life, like not actually existing to like literally at one point, his great, great grandpa running into an Egyptian mystic who taught him the secrets of the pyramids. Like there's just so much that's tied to this dude's like early life. He sounds like, uh, Forrest Gump from the books. I know. Kind, kind of a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm imagining the old man from Monster House. 
Because hmm. he's a little hmm. guy. And he built that whole ass house. Just a little guy. And then his like dead wife possessed it. It's, ex- it's exactly If you're going to be like a house, <laughs> I mean, it must be a pretty nice house if you want to be the house. True. <laughs> so with that in mind. I'm what if it was? <laughs> it's exactly like that. Um, so with that in mind, I'm going to try to stick to the parts of the story most commonly referenced. Critical to this tale and lore behind the castle is Ed's sweet 16, the love of his life, Agnes. On their wedding day. She was 16. <laughs> yeah, he was 26. Oh, she was 16. Although I, I, I will reference, in all fairness, and Ed does turn out to be a dick, um, but... It was the 1800s or oh, like so the okay. beginning of the 1900s. And I think literally um, from a like a relational sense, like that was normal literally everywhere on the planet at the time. Yeah. Like yeah, so every she's basically 25. Uh, dude, she, she was basically just a, a spinster at that point. <laughs> but. On their wedding day, Anne and Agnes stood at the altar in front of the priests, ready to exchange I do's, but something went wrong. When it was Agnes's turn, she choked up and then refused. Shaking her head, she left him standing there in front of everyone. Oh, no. Naturally, naturally, Ed chased after her, and this was the last folks in his hometown would ever see Ed again. He dropped everything and gave up. Either out of shame, embarrassment, heartbreak, or all three, on March 23rd, 1912, Ed would be on a ship headed to America. Over the next 11 years, Ed would bounce around between jobs and occupations, from New Jersey to Canada to eventually working in the lumber industry in the Pacific Northwest. And it was there, cutting down and moving massive 1,000-year-old trees that Ed would pick up two important things that would change his life. The first, an incredibly deep understanding of how to place and move massive objects with very limited tools. And the second, tuberculosis, which was pretty much guaranteed to be an early grave at this point in time in history. This was, uh, I think at this point, it was about 20 years before uh, Remedies, like a cure for tuberculosis came out. Hmm. It was a death sentence if you got it. Like that was, you're done, right? And so it'd be in 1923 when Ed would arrive in Florida City, Florida. Having used money he made over the years to invest in some utility companies, he was more or less set for life or what little life he had left to live. By luck or by fate, In the winter of 1923, a real estate mogul named Ruben Moser was driving one evening when he saw a man curled up in pain passed out on the side of a road. It was Ed. Ruben stopped the car and helped the man into it before driving the stranger back to his home. In short time, Ruben's wife, Frances, took to converting a screened-in tool shed in their backyard into a room for the deathly ill Ed. It wouldn't be long after this that Ed would be examined by a doctor and told that he only had six months to live at most. Basically, they were like, you've got stage four tuberculosis. Like, you're done for. Like, the doctor literally said to him, go out and do the things you want to do with your life over the next six months. Like, that was his diagnosis. Well, Um, now, yeah. 
tuberculosis was the illness where like they would cough into their napkins and blood would show up on their napkins, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so it was like the, like in the lungs. Yeah. Yeah, like it, comes, the, it was like the mask of the red death. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, okay. it had a bunch of bunch of nicknames and it was like a super serious problem well no that's a story by edgar Allan poe yeah it was also edgar Allan poe's mom his wife his little wife his young wife yeah his his cousin cousin (laughs) wife basically (laughs) every woman he ever loved died of tuberculosis but but yeah um it was a pretty pretty brutal pretty brutal thing um so now now here's and here's where it gets weird in the story Within the next few months, Ed's health takes a 180. He makes a full recovery. He literally goes to Death's door and he's like, hm, never mind, and just like turns around. Hmm. And while neighbors that knew him say it was all the time he spent out in the sun, which sounds ridiculous, <laughs> others claim that, that Ed. <laughs> yeah. Others claim that Ed gave himself magnetic therapy by racking by wrapping himself up with a cable which was attached to a generator. Hey, at least he tried to do something about it. Either way, Ed did in fact recover without taking antibiotics, and we do in fact not encourage you to wrap yourself with a cable attached to a generator. I'm always afraid covering this kind of stuff that someone might actually think this is a good idea and try it. So um, this is proof that vaccines make you magnetic and it's actually good for you. That's true. Oh Ed would agree God. with this. Well, it's good for <laughs> you. Yeah, it cures everything. Well... <laughs> Well, on that note, and as a surprise to everybody, um, with the mood broken, we got to make a special mid-episode announcement. Not quite mid-episode, but you know what I mean. We got our very first official sponsor. Yay! Yay! That's right. We sold out, baby. And here's the ad. Joey, roll it. Roll it. This part of the show was brought to you by Black Cat Generators, Latvia's number one source for home tuberculosis remedies. When TB crosses your path, you need a black cat. Black Cat Generators are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. Please use with caution. Always subscribe, rate, and follow Black Cat Report. May cause death. You guys, those were some good ads. I know I'm buying whatever that was when I get home. Wow. So Ed just made a miraculous recovery and he wasted no time continuing on his mission. And what was his mission? Well, Ed wanted to find the perfect piece of land to build his own castle. And he found it in the form of two acres located on the edge of the small town, Florida City, Florida. Is this like his last wish because he thinks he's going to die and like the one thing he wants to do is build a castle? At he... I think he knew he was cured, right? Yeah, it was, like, pretty obvious that his health came back. Because, like, he had, like, literally buckled over in pain and fell on the side of the road, like, a few months earlier. And then now he's feeling like, you know, just, I don't know what it would be in that day, but, like, 10 bucks or something like that. A lot of money. Mm. He's feeling great. (laughs) 
Yeah, so with barely enough topsoil to cover the hard coral stone that reached down hundreds of feet below the earth, it was worthless to everyone else. But to Ed, it was perfect. And once more, it was owned by his new friend, Ruben Monsieur. And while the neighbors at first thought he was obviously mad, I mean, literally, a guy just appeared in their neighborhood and said he wanted to build a castle, they would quickly eat crow. Frequenting a local scrapyard for car parts he would repurpose as tools, Ed wasted no time getting started. To highlight this just a little bit, Ed literally made all of his own tools out of telephone poles, random scraps of metal, and an assortment of car parts, most of which were from Model T Fords. Hmm. None of these tools were gas or electric powered, just ropes, gears, levers, pulleys. And while he did construct a tripod, it was only capable of lifting 10 tons. Many of the blocks he would be moving were two and three times heavier than this. Hmm. So 10 tons is a lot. Only 10 tons, though? (laughs) It's 10 tons is a lot, but what he eventually moves is three times more than any of the stuff that he made should have been capable of picking up. Like, it's like you're picturing like wooden tripods that are lifting up stones that are three times more than they should be capable of lifting. It's all adds to the mystique, right? Like, how the fuck did he do this? Again, yeah. dude's four foot nine and What's like 97 hiding? pounds, right? Oh, pit crew. <laughs> oh, pit crew. Well, Sorry, that's a drag race reference. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one theory about how Ed quarried and then lifted these massive sculptures can be found in our source book today and reads, quote, To build his castle using these simple tools, he first would have dug down through the thin layer of topsoil and removed it, then used a saw or wedges to cut the brittle oolite rock, creating a trench around the piece he wanted. He then would use long steel wedges to get beneath the rock and pry it up, inserting smaller wedges to keep the stone raised high enough that he could wrap a chain beneath it. Slowly, he would begin raising the rock with a pulley, inserting larger and larger wood blocks beneath the rock until it reached the surface, when he would place it on logs that would allow him to roll it to where he wanted it to stand. Finally, he would use the pulley to slowly raise the stone, inserting wood blocks until the stone stood upright. End quote. And while this sounds like a very rational approach to understanding his process, there are some inherent flaws. First, there's no evidence left in the form of tool marks to prove this is what he did. Second, there would have been literally tons of chipped pieces of stone in the quarry area if this was his process even if he was just being obsessively clean the entire time. Again, you got to picture this. He's only working at night, right? (laughs) Like, how is he not having stone dust left everywhere? How is he not having chips left everywhere? He's digging down like 10, 15, 20 feet into the ground, then getting underneath these monoliths and underneath these sculptures that he's making, cutting them somehow, and then raising them up from the ground. Like, if he was digging trenches in the stone to get down that far, there would have to be an outline of, like, all these little chips and stuff like that left. It would have to go somewhere, basically. He's an earthbender. He's an earthbender. Where there's a will, there's a way. Have you? Have you heard that one yet? Morphinogenic Mm -mm. energy? Mm -mm. That's that's all it means. Oh. (laughs) Basically. He's an earthbender. He is. Eddie the Earthbender. That makes sense. That rolls. 
Eddie the Earthbender. I like that. Well, third, the stone he was using is brittle. Rolling it on logs and wrapping a chain around it would easily have damaged the sculptures. Proof of this comes in the form of Hurricane Andrew, which hit almost directly on the location of Crystal Castle in the early 1990s. A Category 5 hurricane with winds that would reach 175 miles per hour, the only damage sustained to Coral Castle was caused by a palm tree that snapped and hit one of the walls, leaving a sizable chunk taken out of it. So while the sculptures themselves... Yeah, and they were they were like totally fine in the wind and in the rain. The point is, is like hitting yeah, them even obviously. with something like a, a semi dense wood or even a mediumly dense wood, like a palm tree, was enough to fuck it up, right? So like rolling these giant things on logs over uneven ground and putting them in place would have fucked them up, frankly. Like he palm, didn't have I mean, but like palm trees are huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, palm trees are huge, but like. Think about like what rolling something guy? on a log like that and like how it'd be like the uneven wood hitting it and slapping it and Aliens. stuff like like it would have left marks. There would have been creation marks like left in the area from all this. There's nothing. And the dude was doing this in the middle of the night. I can't emphasize that enough, right? I think well, he had lasers. <laughs> well he had laser that- eyes or something or like mm-hmm. He put his hands on the ground and it was like, and then like the stone would come up like an earthbender. That, that like, (laughs) I know you said that kind of as a joke, but like literally people believe that. Like quite literally that is a theory that he was able to, with his mind and with other techniques, like, carve the image of the stone out from the ground and then raise it and get it to float in the air and move it um so by the late 1920s just a handful of years after ed started construction he opened coral castle to the public nicknamed ed's place ed himself led every tour and he was very very insistent about this process with a bell hanging near the entrance and a sign saying ring twice (laughs) ed would intentionally ignore anyone who only rang the bell once or who rang the bell more than twice (laughs) that makes sense that sounds like art bell (laughs) i mean that makes sense hello no okay bye (laughs) (laughs) going once going click yep okay next caller (laughs) that makes sense though because like if he's so uh what do you call it? like perfectionist about how he moves and builds stuff? You know, you better do as he says. Like he just, you know, said maybe the third time the house would fall down. Yeah, like if they're not gonna <laughs> maybe, follow the first rule, what makes maybe he wants to like make sure rules. that they're going to be respectful of I the like place that. and follow the rules because mm-hmm. if it is that like porous material, like if you try to climb on shit or something, you could break it. You mm-hmm. know, that's that what was. I think. That was literally the the conclusion of, like, the author of the book that I read. Um, He was like, yeah. I mean, it was the same. He's like, you know, if they can't immediately follow these rules, then, like, basically, like, fuck (laughs) them. You know? Like, well. They want to see my special rocks? Uh, They got to follow my special rules. (laughs) Well, so, so this is the thing. It's like, once you did ring the bell twice you were strapped in 
Um, all questions were to wait until the end. No exceptions. <laughs> Ed had a spiel prepared for every single piece he made and insisted on explaining everything in excruciating detail and at his own pace. You weren't allowed to say shit. You had to follow him around and he would just go on and on and on. And at the center of all of this, all of the talk of his inspiration and motivation was his long lost love, his sweet 16, Agnes. He made it very clear to visitors that he built this castle and all the sculptures in it for Agnes, hoping to one day send her photos back in Latvia that would make her realize he still loves her and somehow convince her to change his mind or to change her mind. Okay, this is this is basically the notebook story because he built <laughs> her a house so she will hopefully see it in the newspaper and go back. This is a notebook. This is basically except, the except notebook. Except in the notebook, they were adults. <laughs> Both of them. I'm glad this next line lines up here. So people's reactions were surprisingly mixed. <laughs> While no one walked away unamazed by the incredible work of this small man, many doubted uh, Agnes actually existed. While many others believed the only way he could have done this was with the power of love in his heart. That was quite literally Aww. a lot of people's feelings. It's sweet in a weird way. It is sweet. <laughs> well, the strange controlling nature aside, um, Ed was actually known to be quite hospitable. It was a normal thing for neighborhood kids to show up and ask Ed if they could hang out and cook hot dogs. Again, this is like the 1930s, right? So this is like this is a town of 800 people, kind of-ish in the middle of nowhere at the time just kids running around the neighborhood and they would be like, Hey, you know, like Mr. Ed, can we come over here and can we cook hot dogs? And da 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 da. Well, they essentially treated it like a little community park, which like kind of a dope ass park. I hope by now in the show, you've Googled images of Coral Castle. You should have done that earlier. I should have said something, but they treated it like a, like a community park. <laughs> well, Ed would always say yes, and he would join the kids while they made a small fire and hung out, never shying away from answering their questions about the statues and meanings behind them. Many school field trips would come through Coral Castle, church outings and get-together, Girl Scouts and Boy Scout troops. Locals genuinely enjoyed hanging out there, and Ed loved having them. It, this was like kind of a central piece in the community. It was a pretty big deal to folks, and this also goes to stand with like all of the testimony that comes into the mystery around this place is that literally tens of thousands of people over the years would go there, would visit, would talk with Ed, you know, like get explanations from him, da 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 da, this and that and the other. And at no single point did anybody ever see him working on it. Like, <laughs> in 1939, about 10 years after opening Coral Castle to the public and charging a simple admission of 10 cents equal to about $2 today, Ed decided to move everything to a new location from Florida City, Florida to Homestead, Florida, about three miles away. There's two popular theories people have about why he made this move. Theory one, tourism. Florida was experiencing a major tourism boom that continues to this day. Homestead, specifically the area he moved everything to, was right off of Highway 1, the main route people would travel between Miami and Key West. And after years of taking out advertisements and newspapers all around the country, 
he decided to stop fighting to get people to make the trip by just moving to where people were already going. Theory two, the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Over the last few years, over the last few years, Ed had developed an even deeper understanding of how to harness the Earth's natural energy and by using the telluric power imbued in the intersecting ley lines that meet the highest point of the Bermuda Triangle, Ed would be able to carve, lift, and build even more incredible monoliths and sculptures. Mm. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. the second one. Yeah. <laughs> I myself have a third And yes, this is where our podcast goes rogue. I think it may have been both. (laughs) You see, while it's easy to make connections between the years of frustration at experience trying to get people to come visit Coral Castle with only mild success and move to a more convenient location, there is in fact a case to be made for Ed himself being influenced by theories of ley lines and tapping into the Earth's hidden powers. Ed did believe very strongly in harnessing the Earth's polarity. And further, a report of a small man walking along the side of a Florida road with a dowsing rod was recorded around the same time Ed was discovered passed out. So he may have already been looking for a location, and he was definitely influenced by ley lines, telluric energy, Bermuda Triangle type stuff. Like, he was already, like, into this kind of stuff. That like, makes that makes sense. All this. Yeah. So, to add even more to the mix, Ed would eventually go on to write his own scientific pamphlets where he bashed modern understanding of the natural laws of physics and atoms, claiming that everything was influenced and related to the polarity of the Earth. That if you can change the polarity within atoms, you can, in a sense, make them rise on their own, thus lifting massive objects by making them essentially weightless i want to say selena you're probably right at the beginning that he is an earthbender yeah that's what it sounds like (laughs) he's just like i know how to make the dirt move and that's what an airbender is they're just like oh if i just do they don't even have to do anything they just touch it and they're like i'm doing it Hmm. and it kind of sounds like he's like i have all the secrets and i'm doing it he's just really smart (laughs) yeah like he basically was saying I'm doing some next level shit and everybody's idiots. Like he bashed everybody. His scientific papers were, they were notoriously like, um, bullshit. Pompous. Like <laughs> people that, people that read him were like, this doesn't make sense. And he's using a lot of words that we don't think he understands the meaning of. <laughs> like, like he was just saying I, a lot of stuff and like, everybody's like, we're trying to follow you. We're trying to analyze this. But this makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> like, Not so I've met people like that before. <laughs> yeah, because their brain that is was... too small, and this guy was in another level. How long did it take him? About twenty years. I mean, well, he got a lot. A good majority of it was done within the first like four or five years, and then he made some slightly more intricate pieces later, after the move. Yeah, it looks doable. I mean, I actually, I picture a castle before. This is not really a castle. Well. No, it's like a rock garden. It's kind of, yeah. It's yeah, more like which, a rock garden. It, which is doable. It, it's, 
doable, but again, it's the I, process I behind it. You can't. <laughs> you in can't. the book, like, in the book, the, there was a photo, and the caption said something about like his his house, and it looked like it was also made of stone. Is that? Did he yeah. live in a stone house that he yeah, made? So yeah, like at this second location he's moving to, he builds like a two-story like kind of castle-y house. It's not like massive or anything like that, but it's still a two-story castle-y house. And with that this also rock didn't have like a bunch of pieces. It it was also one piece? No, no. Well, no, that did have sections with like some okay. mortar around it or whatever. I was whatever. about to be like this <laughs> motherfucker is the devil. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it was one solid piece of stone <laughs> I was going to be like this is not okay where is he right now <laughs> burn this building <laughs> thank you for listening to the Black Cat Report and our episode on the Coral Castle this house is truly a very interesting one to behold take a chance and look it up and see it for yourself Please like, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back to the castle. Well, anyways, my my point here is is that whether or not this is true is irrelevant. Whether or not it was the power of ley lines and magnetic energy and all of this doesn't matter the point is is that ed believed in it and ed was the only one who decided to move coral castle it was his idea to do this so if that was his thing that was his thing so (laughs) how did ed move all of these creations to their new home well he built his own trailer from car parts, salvaged from the local junkyard, and hired a neighbor slash local farmer to haul everything down the highway with their tractor. They How had a far routine of a distance was it? I think it was like four or five miles. Oh, I was like hoping it was like 20 or 30. And just this <laughs> guy's just on million. Go around! <laughs> and he just has these like big rocks on, in this like half of a fucking car. <laughs> yeah. Got a beer with like the lid cut off. Oh my! I God. mean the roof, not the lid. <laughs> the lid. The lid. The lid of the car, like a can. Well, they had a nice little routine worked out. One, or when no one was around, Ed would load his creations onto the trailer and had basically have a set date and time that the farmer would swing by, connect, and slowly make the trek to the new plot of land. Once there, Ed would tell the farmer a date and time to come back, and Ed would mysteriously move everything off the trailer and set it back up. This seems like a typical semi-mysterious routine until you throw in the fact that Ed took all of his tools to the new lot before he started lifting, moving, and placing everything on the trailer. Again, this kind of at like the the farmer gave a sworn testimony and also other people gave a sworn testimony that the first load they took there was all of the tools from the lot. Ed Hmm. dug a large trench, which I thought this was actually a genius idea. He dug a large trench. It was like, I don't know, like eight feet deep or something like that. Put all of his tools into it and then put a ladder on top of it and chained the ladder to the ground so that nobody could get in and actually reach the tools. So he almost used the ladder as like a, Hmm. a fence basically over top of it or like a gate over top of it anyways 
the point is, is all of his tools were locked up on site. Ed didn't own a car. Ed rode a bicycle his entire life, right? Like he never, he basically never got into cars. And st- like at the end of his life, he did have a bus ride probably to a hospital, but like he never really rode in cars or anything like that. Never owned a car. He only had a simple bicycle. So he was not biking back and forth with telephone poles to like pick these things up and put them on the trailer and then, you know, have them brought back. What's up? Well, again, well, plenty of people saw the odd sight of all these sculptures being carried down the road on a tractor. No one ever saw Ed loading or unloading anything. The mystery wasn't lost to people either. They tried often to catch Ed in the act of working. Groups of kids would sneak down to the property in the dead of night, trying to catch a glimpse of Ed working, only to be met with him stopping everything he was doing and without a word letting them know that he knew he was being watched. So, like, picture this. You're, like, sneaking up through, like, palm trees and brush and shit like that, trying to see Ed working out in his lot, out at the Coral Castle or whatever, and he just stands up straight, turns around, and looks off in your general direction and just waits until you leave. Like, he did this over and over and over again. It reminds me of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where there's one woman left and she goes outside and she thinks she sees her friend and then he turns around and he like looks at her and then he goes that's what it makes me think well, i think that's what he did until they left yeah i think he he like had as soon as he saw them come or heard them coming up he probably had really good ears too and there's brushes and one and of stuff. those kids one of those kids he grew up to write invasion of the body snatchers <laughs> about ed <laughs> About, about that that, that moment. <laughs> well, <laughs> parents, too, tried to catch him in the act with some folks telling tales when they would get older about how their mom or dad would drive them down to the area and they would all wait for hours, sometimes until three or four in the morning, watching, trying to see how he made and moved all of his creations. But no one was ever successful. And after Ed eventually built an eight-foot stone wall around the property... Many would be met with him hopping up on the wall and just staring off in their direction, essentially catching them without calling them out. Ew, like so, a gargoyle? That's even scarier. <laughs> that's even scarier to be like, <laughs> him just to be feral. looking at you and not like, you know he knows you're there, but he's not saying he knows you're there. And that somehow is creepier than right? him being like, can you go away? It's so much creepier. Yeah. Just like not acknowledging, but totally acknowledging. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of. I just horrifying. imagine like a face. <laughs> <laughs> that meme. <laughs> so, so what would he say when people would ask him how he made everything, how he did all of this, how he lifted, moved, sculpted, all that jazz? Well, he would always say the same simple thing, have the same simple response. Quote. I know the secrets of the pyramids. Ed would eventually die at the age of 61 from toxicity of the kidneys, a virus that affects the kidneys, and a hemorrhage brought on by a stroke, all of which hit him at the exact same time. Coral Castle would then get passed around through various owners, eventually making its way onto the National Register of Historic Places in 1984 and 
landing in the hands of the folks who today have it open to the public as a museum you can still go and visit. All right. Here's where we go full woo. To wrap up this episode, I'd like to throw in a few extra facts about Ed and his castle. The name Rockgate comes from what Ed considered his crown achievement, a 10-ton gate, almost like a giant turnstile, that was capable of being moved with the push of your finger and only had an eighth of an inch gap when it was closed. This is a massive, solid stone door that literally there were like photos from back in the day of like young women like smiling and like pushing it with their finger and stuff like that. Now, didn't you say it was so smooth you could push it open with your pinky? Yeah, like literally it'd be like a pinky and you can move like a 10 ton like stone with your finger. Well, what's insane about this, what's insane about this is that over the years, like through the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, like engineers would come and look at this and have no clue how it worked. Further, a team of engineers with a crane came in to try to fix it when the bearings at the bottom of the door uh, rusted out and the door needed to be fixed. As hard as they tried, they were never able to get it to work the same way again. Right. So if you look up photos of it today, there's like a gate around it because the engineers like literally like they somehow managed to get it apart, which took them forever. And they had a fucking massive ass crane there just to move it. And none, nobody could figure out how to put this thing back together, like just straight up, like along with that. So this picture like a 10 foot doorway that's like, I don't know, five feet wide, 10 foot tall, just massive fucking door. They've all agreed like looking at it they're like he had to have found the exact center of gravity for this massive object in order for it to do this if he would have been off just a little bit none of this would have worked Mm. everything was resting on like a two or three inch little stone disc that he made at the bottom that the bearings rolled around on top of if it wasn't balanced perfect nothing would have worked two things yeah Two things. He made this amazing castle. Mm-hmm. And the bearings went out. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, I guess the one thing he didn't build himself just, like, screwed up. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and second thing, didn't somebody take a picture of this thing? But you'd think all these engineers that were building this thing would go, you know what sounds like a really great idea? We either get somebody that has a Dedic memory, which is like photographic memory, and they remember where everything goes, or mm-hmm. you take pictures or drawings, or hey, this one goes here, and you put them in a specific spot. It sounds like they just went so haphazardly, very like egotistical about it, kind of being like, oh, yeah. we'll be able to put it apart. It's fine. No big deal. Yeah. It it could have been either, either one of those, or it might have been a mixture of all of those, or, or whatever, but like... The main thing is, is that like the engineers like literally just sat there like scratching their heads. We got like so you have to picture this door that like turned and everything. There was almost no clearance on the top or the bottom of this door. So like they couldn't actually see how it was put together when they started to take it apart. They just kind of had to pop it out of place. And then all of a sudden there's like bearings that are loose and this and that and the other. And they have they're just like shit. 
<laughs> how does this go back together again? Like he had it in there wedged like so tight. Like picture like an eighth of an inch, like so small. Mm-hmm. Like that's the gap on the top and like on the sides and on the bottom. Oh my god, this like, guy it's, was it's ahead absolutely of his insane. Time. Yeah. Another fun fact. At some point, Ed built a powerful radio on the property and told folks he got his music from space. <laughs> the obelisk, there was a 40-foot tall obelisk, right, which is a picture like the Washington Monument, or right? So like the giant, you know, like penis statue that's like every country in the world has one. Um, <laughs> that obelisk also doubled as a radio tower. <laughs> And like, and he would say that he got all of his music from space, which the FBI and local sheriff would come and investigate him near the end of World War II under suspicion that he may be a spy collecting radio broadcasts from the government. They take his headphones and put them on and it's just smooth jazz. Well, additionally to all this and to kind of back up some of the the more wooey elements around this about like him using like telluric energy and reversing the magnetism of atoms and getting things to lift and levitate or like there's even theories about him singing to the stone and hitting a perfect frequency in order to get them to lift up off of the ground right well supposedly he created and filed a patent for a perpetual motion machine it was a strange hand crank device with magnets facing against each other to create push. Part of this machine is still at his tool shed, which you can visit at the museum at Coral Castle. Like, this is weird, right? None of his tools seemingly were, like, electric at all. Like, why was he creating a hand crank perpetual motion device to produce electricity? Well... That goes with another thing. The tripods he used to supposedly lift these sculptures that they all had these weird black boxes hanging from the point in the tripod with wires hanging from the bottom, electrical wires hanging from the bottom. Hmm. He hated There's Duke energy. <laughs> he hated Duke. Well, with all that said, where was the where was the extra long extension cord? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, his neighbors. He's like, I'm stealing. I'm stealing. Um, yeah, I'm stealing a cable from my neighbors. No, literally, I stole the cables from my neighbor's house. They're in my poles. I just thought it would look nice that way. Oh my god. Well, hmm. what do you guys think? What do you? What do you? What do you? What are your questions? Well, okay. I do want to talk about the Art Bell thing that we were listening to earlier. Okay. Where that guy, Michael... Cullen, I think. Or Cullen. Something. He wrote a book, and he was Mm -hmm. like, I think I know what happened. And he Mm -hmm. is the reason I keep saying, what if it was? Because he literally was like, this isn't true. But what if it was? And I was like, you can't just do that. Yeah. He's like, if it was true, then this, 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 and that. And I'm like, none of what you're saying is means anything. But anyway, he said, this is another theory. He said that somehow having a near-death experience with pneumonia caused him to unlock 
oh, it's tuberculosis, my bad, um, caused him to somehow unlock, like, these, like, powers morphogenic? of... Morphogenic, which doesn't really mean anything. It means, like, relating to the branch of biology that deals with the form of living organisms and with relationships between their structures. So basically, he almost died, and it made him vibrate really good. And so it made it so that when he touched the ground, it vibrated and broke the rock itself that way in perfect lines. And then it also vibrated up and picked itself up out of the ground and carried itself. Yep. So what do you guys think? <laughs> I honestly believe that. I mean, that's a good scientific explanation. Like, <laughs> there is... there. You know, there is science behind things like science. sound waves being able to cut through things. So think about the perfect, I don't know, think about the perfect sound of music to you could be like the vibration. And there's many studies behind the vibration of popular music and the beats and the, the keys that allow that resonate the best with the ear. So if that does something Me in our body. Mm -hmm. The tracks. Maybe, um... Was the thing Obelisk. like one of the first things to be built? I don't know if the obelisk was, but probably. I'm just thinking if it was and there is some kind of like electromagnetic shit happening, like maybe he built that first so that he could harness that energy into the ground and then he had a way of like moving it with like different currents. Like maybe that's what the wires were for. I don't know. That that was yeah so that was a couple of folks's theories like a couple of folks have things that connect to the obelisk one was that he was connecting to water energy that was under the ground and creating like positive lift based off of the water energy of the obelisk and like the thing about obelisks so again like think like the the dc like monument right the memorial right there's the the giant statue right or monolith um, those are in almost every single culture around the planet, right? And <clears throat> Washington wants to have a big dick. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Washington D.C. was engineered and designed and laid out by Freemasons, which was like a very common social group at the time. It was like the I don't know, their version of a bowling league at the time. It was like it was a super common social club at the time. So just because they were Freemasons doesn't mean they were into wooey-woo kind of shit, but they would have been aware of the symbology and this and that and the other. Those giant monoliths are supposed to concentrate and, like, pull power towards them, like those giant, you know, obelisks. So putting it in the nation's capital like that is a very strong symbolism for some folks and a literal like magically powerful force for others. It's pulling attention and pulling energy into the capital of the country by doing that. So like, again, it's like, it's the mixture between like, it just matters that they believe it, you know, on a certain level. But if it does work, <laughs> if it is an antenna for pulling this in and like, shit i mean even like nikola tesla believed that electricity could be harnessed from the air like he believed in free power like very famously 
was like, no, we could just pull electricity from the air and from the earth and like everybody can have free power. And they're all like, ha, 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 Tesla, seriously, go away. Like, you know, they, they hated it. Well, think of static <laughs> electricity know? as the same idea is that you create electricity. Mm-hmm. Like data when he gets up from that velvet pillow that he has. Yep. You could harness that to power your house. Could harness that. Have you ever rubbed a balloon on your head? Mm-hmm. That's how Every we did it. day. <laughs> he just rubbed so, his head on them rocks and they started floating well, away. <laughs> yeah, I totally believe this. Like, I'm so... I'm, yeah, like, I, I believe what he... What he what he did is because of that, you know. Because he almost died. Yeah, and he like unlocks some vibrations, energy, you know, to do that. Like, like I feel like the government's always been trying to get us away from it, and I I believe they know it exists. But like, if we all knew and could harvest all those powers, like we would be so powerful. We wouldn't need the government we wouldn't like like the energy you know they they know how we can all have energy so i just i just believe there's there's people that can do stuff like that like earth benders (laughs) you know well it's this this case to me or the story to me is like super fascinating because it most of the theories still put it into like human hands the ability to make these like massive creations and do all this incredible stuff it puts it back into the hands of humans which to me still goes back and it paints all this like ancient egyptians like how did they build the pyramids it must have been aliens there's no way they could have done it and it's like actually we have an example of like one dude in like 20 years doing some incredible shit by himself in the middle of the night. One dude, let alone like hundreds of people, tens of thousands of people doing it, maybe being like directed by, you know, like ancient Egyptian, like engineers and builders and stonemasons and things like this. And it kind of also does give credit to like the Freemasons always talking or there's always that talk around like Freemasons, like, having these internal secrets and like having this knowledge that dates back to the Egyptians and stuff like that, you know, but the point is, is like, it still puts it into human hands, which is significant for me because it it always bothers me every time. It's just like, how on earth could the Egyptians do this? Look at these brown folks. There's no way they could have done that. Anyways, white folks built Stonehenge. But yeah, how did these brown folks do it? Must have been aliens. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. Like, and it's every time it's like monuments in Europe, they're just like, yeah, I can't believe they built it. Every time it's in a country where there's some melanin in their skin, they're just like, must have been aliens. There's no way they could have done it. Well, and it's like so advanced. They always say that's so advanced. advanced. Yeah, there's no possible way. But yeah. then you have this they dude. They use tools. Tools? Who but like, taught them? You you have this incredibly, you know, like, tiny dude. Aliens. <laughs> you have this, like, but it's like, tiny dude doing this. And this is in, like, the 1920s and 30s and 40s, like, in the United States. This is in modern day. And there's thousands of people that, like, walked through the area, like, while it was being built up and stuff like that. They never saw him doing it because he did it at night, but they would take tours during the day. And there's 
there's no way to deny the fact that he did it, you know? And that's, I don't know. That's what's fascinating to me about it. I, I think about, I think about Egypt and I think about the idea that they make a lot of tools. They had to use tools. You know, nowadays Mm -hmm. we think about it like we have a circuit or circuit board or a motherboard or computer. Like, I don't think, think about how we think of that. Like, it's so easy to think about building one of those, you know? Mm -hmm. Nowadays, like, obviously not everybody could build one, but we know it's possible and we know you go through a, it's easy to, you know, put in a a factory that can build one. So, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of people know how to build this. So, I think about the idea that maybe they had such knowledge of that because that's what they had to build. You know, they may do with what they had and what they built to build these things, you know? And like now Mm -hmm. we look back and like, Oh, how can they build that? And it's like, but they wouldn't have been able to build, you know, a motherboard or an electrical circuit at this moment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I think of it like that is like that they had the tools and they had to, plus they had the time they had. And I always Mm -hmm. look at it like this. They had the free, free, free labor and putting it in quotations yeah because they you know and we don't we don't do that right now <laughs> in quotations <laughs> in quotations and um internships yeah, uh what else <laughs> yeah um but volunteer they they just basically keep but you those should volunteer for sure they they keep those people and they just do it and they'd have a bunch of people the only question that i have is that they'd be dragging these blocks for like thousands of miles from different places you know, and that's the hard yeah. part. But if you think about mixing in what this guy is doing, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem that hard because if they're using a certain reverberation, I mean, think about if, if they're, they were scientists, they had scientists just like everybody else. You know, they may mm-hmm. have, you know, everybody worships, you know, for the most part, worships a different God. Like they were worshiping the gods. We're worshiping God now for the most part, you know, like everybody has that kind of thing. And they were still scientists and pay- people paid to do it, you know, or yeah. paid with lavish food and whatever. Maybe that I don't, I guess they had, um, pay. I don't know. I'm trying to think about the ancient Egypt, <laughs> but like the king, the Pharaoh was probably like, Hey, I have like 200 scientists. I'm going to put them all together. You know, they'll figure mm-hmm. it out. And they're the same scientists as we have now. We always make the joke that, or the, the actual truth is that they're no different than we are right now. Like we, ne- we haven't, yeah. Our brains are the same pieces, you know, our bodies are the same pieces. It's not like we grew another leg. It's not like you grew another arm, you know, or grew another like brain, you know, or found out how to use any other parts of our brain. Maybe we've figured out how to use less, you know, I I do 100% believe and I verge on just saying no, but like you can't 100% know this, but like as a species, we've lost so much knowledge over time due to like conquests and genocide and just like on down the line like we've we've killed so much knowledge and in areas of study and research and work and things like that we've set ourselves back as a species over and over and over again Mm -hmm. like whether it's going in and killing people in a small tribe that happened to know the cure to tuberculosis you know (laughs) like or like or just like the you know the um the uh Spanish conquistadors like going in committing cultural genocide and literal like genocide and burning all of the Mayans books 
you know, except for four of them, which one of the priests was like, I should hold on to these and like hid them. And then all of a sudden, as we start to go through and figure it out, it's like, wow, they had a such an advanced understanding of the stars and of the universe and of the way that everything worked. Like we were just barely catching up to aspects of that in the 1990s with our understanding that there's a black hole in the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. They had already had a story that was outlining that, that said that the earth like travels around the sun and a 13,000 and just like they, they had all of this broken down already we just figured that out in like the 1990s. We started agreeing on that. I was going to say, we can't forget the boarding schools that Native Americans had to go to where we're still finding bodies. The knowledge is gone, for know. sure. The The knowledge yeah. and the culture and the history was pretty much destroyed. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. And and yeah. To, to think of it like that, they wanted to and kind of still do to this day you know integrate over a set of decades like the grandmother gets here she's still super close to her culture you know and then once the kid comes in they go to public school or private school and they get more integrated in the culture and then once but but they still most of the part know the language know the family Mm -hmm. but then once you get the next kid it's like oh most likely they might not know the language they might not know the culture because they've been integrated into the u.s you know and i feel like that happens Mm -hmm. a lot and is is part of what the government wants to do to keep everyone in american society you know that's kind of what happened to me like you know my mom was like brought up first generation like her her parents came from Mexico and she spoke Spanish and English and all that. And then it was me and my sister and my grandparents would speak Spanish to us. But once they moved away, my mom was just like, no, you need to learn English more. Mm. And we just lost our Spanish. My sister's still really good. She took Spanish in high school and actually took it seriously. But But yeah, so yeah, we got, we got a lot of examples, whether from from a lot of different sources of like people losing knowledge losing information over time whether forced or voluntarily or mixture of both um i don't know i i think the one thing that that like is clear with like ed is that he probably did discover like what the egyptians knew about carving lifting and moving massive stone sculptures and rocks you know and it's Mm. proof that it can happen and that it still does happen thank you for listening to the black cat report in our episode on the coral castle these stories and theories were so interesting to hear was he an alien an ancient egyptian secret keeper or maybe just a good singer who knows All I know is, to find out his secrets, you should like, review, and subscribe to this podcast, because you never know what you'll hear next. But, you'll always see us on the other side.